Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Don't let a rock cry out. Don't let a rock take your place. Come on, praise the name of Jesus. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all, and all that is within me. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Well, I'm so thankful to have everyone in the house tonight. So thankful for um, Brother Tackett for taking care of our Sunday service. Had great reports. Just a wonderful and tremendous sweet spirit of the Lord that was here. So thankful for um, everyone being able to continue and doing on in, in my absence. And so uh, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer here in just a few moments. And um, we don't want anybody to forget their, your time for tithing and offering. But I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll do that just after service. Just come by if that's what we'll do that. But we're going to let God um, do a mo- have a moment and just do as far as ministry. Um, again, and so if some of you weren't here last week when we began to talk about some of the reasons why I, I want to try to do some different things is I, I noticed for a long time that when our praise singers would be up here and we're worshiping and we're praising God, when they've got needs, a lot of times they don't, they don't get the opportunity to come down and get prayed for. So I wanted to create an atmosphere. I wanted to, to, to open the idea of, of, of giving God an opportunity to, to, to move and to heal and to strengthen and deliver for those that wanted to get prayed for when they were generally not getting the opportunity to get prayed for. And so we're just trying to do a couple of different things so that we can, we can see what, what we can do. I think we've had some really good experiences and pardon my voice, uh, uh, flying in from one state to another. I've been in two different weather climates, three deck actually. And um, so it's, it took a toll and it took a toll yesterday um, on me while I was at my job. So um, ended up having to come home early, but I, don't worry, I'm not running fever. I'm not contagious. I've been tested. I'm, everything's good. It's just, it's just the drying and it's, it's, it's awful. But I did have a friend that contacted me today, a friend that I, I went to high school with and um, we kind of touched base a couple of years ago and he asked me just out of, out of nowhere. I hadn't heard from him in, in quite some time, but he texted me today, please pray for me. I'm, I'm in really serious need of prayer. I, I can't walk right now. I'm, and I was like, bro, are you at the, are you, have you gone to the doctor? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm here right now. And so he's, he's really worried. He's gone through a lot over the last couple of years. And so I'm going to ask the church to pray for my friend Derek Blackwell is his name. Um, I want you to continue to remember Desiree and Aaliyah, um, to remember them in prayer. Um, and keep Sister Nora in your prayers as well. Uh, she's bearing a burden right now that it's very hard to bear, but um, God has given her strength and God has given her patience. Uh, but what we want to see is God move in a miraculous way. And um, so are there any other unspoken requests that we have in the house tonight? I know that Sister Pam's daughter is going through a lot and her sister, it, it, her health is really, really bad. And so there are many other unspoken requests that we do have. And we want you to come. And if you have a need in your body, if you have your need in your home, if you have an unspoken request and you would just like to be prayed for tonight. I'm going to ask that you would come. I want Brother Tackett to come and, and uh, to come and help me. And, and we're going to just pray for the sick. We're going to pray for God to touch these needs. And we're asking God to have his way. And so why don't we just entertain the presence of the Lord for the next few moments. Again, if you have a need, why don't you come tonight? And we'll just let God have his way. God, in the precious name of Jesus.
God, I'm asking for your anointing and your mercy.
him one more time praise him for the mighty act that he has just done thank him for the healing thank you for the touch oh god thank you for your spirit that we feel here tonight god if all we do is come together and we don't have you lord then we've done it in vain 
Lest the Lord build the house. They that labor, they've labored in vain. God, I don't want to put my, my faith out there for nothing. I don't want to put my heart out there for nothing. I trust in your spirit. I trust in your word. And I trust in your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As you remain standing, we've been privileged over the last uh, couple of months to have had some, some new people to our wonderful congregation and um, someone that has a very familiar face, does a, lot, does a lot around here. In fact, for Easter, they were trying to uh, make it so that our praise singers could have better view of their lyrics. They, anytime that I've ever asked Brother Jonathan or Sister Rachel to do anything, um, they've been more than willing to help and do it. And the times that I've been able to just spend with them personally, um, they are absolutely just a, a pleasure and a joy to be around. Whether you're just sitting there, you're just laughing, or you're playing a game, or you're just talking about general things. He's got such a great heart, and he's got a great spirit, and he's got a wonderful wonderful testimony and I've asked brother Jonathan to come and greet you tonight just so that you can get to know him on a different level and so we're, God's got his hand on his life and we want him to come and share his heart and share his testimony tonight God why don't you give him a hand clap of appreciation and have brother Jonathan come y'all can be seated so I just do want to thank uh, Pastor Micah for the opportunity to get up here and, and to speak. This is very unexpected, but it's, it's a privilege to be here in front of you all. And what I wanted to talk about today was my testimony that Micah and I'm sure other people have, have mentioned loosely, or maybe you've heard the cliff notes, but um, it turns out that I was a problem child before I was even born. Um, my uh, mother was pregnant with twins, and then somewhere along the way, um, the, uh, my sister decided, uh, my sister was not growing as much as I was, and the doctors were concerned, and they began to, to watch for signs, and is, is, um, it was actually kind of sad that my mom find, found out very suddenly, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know if there was a miscommunication or just horrible bedside manners, but the, the OBGYN walks in there and goes, well, mom, at least one of them's still alive. And uh, yeah, she really didn't even know. That was how my mom found out that, that I was the only one living. Um, That's interesting story. So she was looking for another OBGYN and she didn't really know where to turn. She was feeling very tumultuous, you know, knowing that I was sick and that her other child would, would be stillborn. And and she didn't know what to do, but she had found an OBGYN, and she went to the clinic, and, and on the door was the verse from Isaiah, he shall make the crooked places straight. And that really helped my mom find a lot of comfort. And that, that actually, that doctor delivered me and my brother and was her OBGYN until, well, until they moved to Austin in 99. So I was due to be born July the 20th, um, but... The Lord had other plans, and I, we were I was delivered emergency C-section April 20th. Uh, I was those 12 weeks premature, and of course my sister was stillborn. And uh, when I weighed in, I was a pound and 13 ounces. 
Um, there, there was so little somewhere. I'm trying to trying to badger my dad to find the picture. Somewhere, my dad has the physical copy, the picture of my hand, my entire hand through my dad's college ring, and it just it's floating there. There's still plenty of room. There's another picture of me <clears throat> with a dollar bill that goes from my shoulders all the way down to my hips. It, it's pretty wild. So I was born premature, and it was a very big deal. And it was very much touch and go for the first couple of weeks. Doctors didn't know what the story was going to be, how these things were going to turn out. Um, they did a routine um, scan of my head and found out that I had a grade three hemorrhaging on both sides of my brain. And your chances of having abnormalities, loss of motor function, any type of mental retardation is very high when that happens. There's blood in the, in the space of the brain uh, that it puts pressure on the brain. But obviously I came out of that. But the doctors, told my, the doctors told my parents in the meantime, it's entirely possible that he will not even walk or talk or even be able to sit up, that this is a real possibility that children who have this issue don't even have full function of their body. But you know, you look at me and, and I've got perfect, well, not perfect motor skills, but <laughs> they're, they're great. You know, the, the Lord is good. Um, I, I have virtually no symptoms of any of those things. Uh, the, doctors, the doctors said that he might have issues with his eyes, um, but then after the surgery, the doctor said, well, he won't be a fighter pilot, but he'll be able to see. And, as, you know, and... Um, but they were also told that you know, the lungs are the biggest issue with premature babies because your lungs are so thin and you don't even have all the fluids necessary to cause the lungs to expand and contract like they should. And, when I, and, and during the hospital, I had actually had a perforated lung and they had to go in and do emergency surgery right there in the NICU. And uh, I actually still have the scar from the tube that went in and helped me you know, get the air out help the lung to heal and make sure that the air wasn't still in there uh, or that it stayed in the lung rather and not in the chest cavity. Um, and they told my parents that, you know, he'll probably have chronic lung disease for the first several years of his life and he's going to, he might, you know, he's, there's a very good chance that he's going to have asthma for the rest of his life. I mean, I have chronic allergies, but there's no asthma or any real breathing problems or anything. So <clears throat> the Lord, the Lord is good. And and I figured I'd, I'd go ahead and tell my brother's story. He was also a, a problem child before he was born. He, he was born with a lot more complications than me. Um, he actually, the one, the one story that really sticks out to me that's quite phenomenal is he was born with, you've got a sack in your head that holds your brain and keeps the, the, the spinal fluids from your brain. It keeps everything separate and it keeps your brain protected. Well, he was actually born with that. Out, or he was, uh, he, the doctor said he was going to be born with it outside of his head. The, that they looked at the x-rays and the scans, and he's got this sack that's sticking out of his head, and, you know, it's supposed to be in here, not out here. And basically, the doctors told my parents that's practically a death sentence. Uh, there's virtually no way that that's going to turn around. And, of course, they were telling my mother, you should abort, you should abort. And my mother was not having it and told them, she, I think she told them, stop telling me, don't remind me. I mean, well, so they had a prayer meeting for my brother at a uh, women's conference in Texas that year. And 
unbeknownst to my parents at the time, but one of my aunts actually was praying, and they're all praying for Matthew and laying hands on my mother. And then she has a vision of the brain sack going back into his skull. And, you know, and of course, she didn't tell anybody that at the time. And my mom was like, that would have been really nice to know at the time. <laughs> but so the, the prayer meeting was about this going back to the doctor and, and, and seeing what, what would happen. Um, and so the doctors went back in. They did another scan of Matthew. And lo and behold, the brain sack was back inside the skull, which, I mean, that's just a miracle because the doctor even said that's a miracle that 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 can't happen that just and you know they same story with him first of all they thought he was going to be dead well the brain sack fixed itself but he had so many other more developmental issues and the doctor said he he's going to be a vegetable all of his life he may even need to be on a feeding tube well, if any of y'all came to the wedding, you saw my brother, you heard how, how uh, articulate he is for somebody who's not, who's not supposed to be able to walk, talk, or even sit up. Um, you know, the Lord, the Lord does awesome things like that. He does things in an instant and, and things in a moment. I was actually, so I asked my parents about this. I was just talking to them. I said, what, what was the hemorrhage again? Because I couldn't remember the scale. And so they start telling me, and then they start, you know, reminiscing. Mom's reminiscing about being a mother and everything, and I'm sure she's missing me in the moment. But my dad said, at Sherry's Bible study last Friday night, I got to tell you and Matthew stories. I told them of your scars that only family can see and that God had so completely healed you that others would be hard-pressed to believe you'd ever, be, you'd, you'd ever been sick. But with Matthew, it has been a process. It's still miraculous and still beautiful, still awe-inspiring, but oh so agonizingly slow. The psalmist said that the Lord had borne Israel from Egypt on eagle's wings, which was an instant miracle. But the Lord said in Exodus to the Israelites that Canaan would not be that way. I will not drive them, you know, this is the Lord talking in Exodus, I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, talking to the Israelites about the Canaanites, I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against you. But little by little, I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. Sometimes the Lord chooses to do things in an instant, and sometimes the Lord chooses to do things little by little. My dad heard a sermon when Matthew was being born. It was preached at Because of the Times in 1997. I'm not going to be able to do it justice. And, but the interesting thing was the preacher talked about Nebuchadnezzar's second dream in Daniel chapter 4. And Nebuchadnezzar, was it, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of my dream. And he goes on, and then he stops I missed this part from before. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Then we go down, we see the visions of, of the king. These were the visions of my head while on my bed and looking. Behold, a tree in the midst of the earth. Its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its heights reached into the heavens, and it could be seen from all the ends of the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. Moving further down, 
there was a watcher, a holy one, coming from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. And the lesson of this sermon was essentially that God pretty much does whatever he wants. He, and that is comforting because he's not an evil or a malice God, but he is good to us. I can't explain to you why he chose to heal me in an instant, but why he didn't do anything about my sister. Why he chose to heal me in an instant, but Matthew's process is still ongoing. But the preacher said that the, the nice little lesson was, it says, cut down the tree and cut off its branches, and we move further down. It says, but leave the stump, and that you might have a stump left, but he's the God of the tall tree that reaches to the heights and the heavens, but he's also the God of the stump of what we have left. Thank you, thank you for that testimony and that wonderful word, Brother Starks. How many knew of all that? So I only kind of knew a little bit other than family, but what an amazing testimony. What an amazing word. So when you come into the house of the Lord and you feel something that is impossible, why don't you consider the own miracles in your life and why don't you next time look over at Brother Jonathan? It was a beautiful thing. Sometimes the miracle comes instantly. Sometimes it comes gradually. You know, the Bible tells us something very specifically about when Jesus rose again. The Bible says he, he appeared first to Mary, and she goes and she tells the disciples. The Bible said over the next couple of days he had appeared to the disciples, but there was one disciple that was not present. That was Thomas. You know, we've just come through this season of celebrating Easter, and so it, was, it hit me Sunday morning when I was getting ready that, you know, considering what was on their calendar, considered their Sabbath day, and if the Bible says specifically, and it was eight days, so Sunday was the day. Sunday was the opportunity where the Lord appeared to the disciples. The Bible said that the doors were shut, the windows were closed, then came Jesus. And I felt like that was something that the Lord began to minister to me about Sunday. He said, just as it was with Thomas, there was a lot of people needing to reach out and needing to touch. There was a lot of people needing to see. Today was the day that the Lord said, I want to really make my presence known. I want them to see me. I want them to touch me. I want them to feel me. I want them to know my voice. I want them to know that I'm there. I want them to know I'm accessible. I want them to know that I still care. I want them to know that I'm reachable. I still want them to know that I'm faithful. I want them to know that I still heal. I want them to know that I still answer. I want them to know I still show up. I want them to know that nothing goes undone. I want them to know that I hear the prayers that are prayed. My eyes are open. My ears are attentive to the cries that are made in my house because he said it's a house of prayer. was coming into Jerusalem they were taking off their coats they were laying palm branches down and they were crying Hosanna Hosanna meaning God save us but Matthew records two different instances in the journey 
of that way. The Bible says that as they went, as they were crying for God to save them, they came to a place where there was a tree that was in the way, a fig tree that was in the way. It wasn't bearing fruit, and so he cursed it. And the second thing that happens is the Bible says that when they were crying, Hosanna, he leads them to the temple. And there they are, they're in the temple and they're, they're not praying. They're not worshiping, but they're exchanging money. And of all things, this is Sister Warmington's favorite portion of Scripture. It's, 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 it's her favorite story concerning Jesus. It's when he gets angry, he braids his own whip and he drives the money changers out of the temple. And he said, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. See, if you're going to ask for God to save you, there are going to be two things that happens. If you're going to ask God for a miracle, if you're going to ask God for strength, oh, listen to me now. If you're going to ask God for deliverance, there are going to be two things that happens. The first thing that's going to happen, He's going to remind you of those things that are unfruitful in your life. If you're going to ask God to save you, then He's going to ask you first. You're going to have to start working on that doubt that you have. You're going to have to start working on that unfaithfulness that you have. You're going to have to start working on those anger issues. You're going to have to start working on those sin issues. You're going to have to start working on those things that are causing hindrances in your life. Those unfruitful things that are taking up the pathway where Christ wants to walk. He's taking up too much space in the area where the God wants to operate. The God of heaven wants to move this way. But you've got something in the way. He said, if you want to want me to save, you're going to have to first walk with that. The Bible said they were pricked in their hearts and they said, what do we do? What must we do? And the first words out of Peter's mouth was, repent. Unfruitfulness has got to go. Things that are not conducive to your life, they've got to go. Things that are not helping you, but they are more hard for you, they've got to go. Things that are keeping you away from the presence of God, they've got to go. Kings that are building up doubt and deceit and deception and backbiting, got to go. for God to say you've got to go to where there is open communication you cannot come to the house of God and play games you cannot come to the house of God and do what you want how you want when you want and as you want just because that's how you've always done it he said my house shall be called a house of prayer if you want to talk to me you come to my house if you need me you come to my house if you want deliverance you come to my house if you're serious about salvation you come to my house when you're ready for a breakthrough you come to my house you don't come and you just don't talk about every social club this is a house of God this ain't no country club this is not where you come and just want to spend your time to have a good time with your friends and fellowship with believers and talk about tea and where you want to go you want to come and you want to hear from God you want to come and be touched by God he said my house shall be called the house of prayer Just when you think 
that maybe he's all out of miracles. You got one standing back there that's helping with him and his wife or leading your young people. You got one right there that's wrapped in the arms. You've got one right here. You've got one right there. 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 You've got one right here. You've got one right there. Hey! If you ever have a problem thinking about if God still cares, if God still works, if He's out of miracles, we've got viable proof right here. But while we are here, talk to me, you know where to come. If you need me, you know where to go. If you want me, you know what to do. But if there are some things in your life that are keeping you from getting here, if there are some things in your life that are keeping you from receiving here what you need to receive, you need to tell those fig trees to get out the way. And if you can't tell it, you might just need to get a shovel up from the root and trash it. Sometimes the miracle comes instantly. Sometimes it comes slowly. But the miracle comes. Why don't we lift our hands and worship the Lord right now all over the house tonight. Come on. Lift up your heart and your voice. God, in the precious name of Jesus, hear our cry tonight. Hear us from heaven, O God. Speak to us, O God. Pour your heart out upon your people. Open our hearts and our spirits to you right now. Let us relieve our hearts before you. Let us relieve our burdens before you. God, that you still hear, you still work, you still answer, you still heal in the name. 